Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Hello and welcome to the Hacker Factory Podcast. Today I'm very excited to have my friend TJ Knoll uh, joining. So TJ and I have known each other from uh, InfoSec Twitter and seeing each other at conferences over the years. And one of the, the focus of the show is to help people that are trying to get into the industry. And I can't think of a better guest than TJ because you know his his great work on the write-ups he's did for the OSCP, the the OSCP-like VMs and different environments from Hack the Box Track. He's been, you know, top of the list for OSCP preparation. And so it's great to have you on the show, TJ. Thanks, Philip. It's really great to be here. Yeah, it's great great to have you. It's great seeing you at summer camp. It's been mm-hmm. since 2019. Actually, I guess I guess the last time we saw each other was probably DerbyCon in 2019, now that I remember. Yeah, you're right. Now I yeah. think about it. DerbyCon, we saw each other for a little bit, and then you had to you had to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't get to spend much time like we did at uh, DEF CON, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Great seeing you and great, great catching up. Good to see you continuing to do great things in the industry, especially from a perspective of education and helping others. Well, thank you. I really do appreciate that. So how, how did you enjoy summer camp? Summer camp was really fun. A um, lot of more people than I thought there was going to be, but there's really some interesting topics at the villages I got to go watch at. Um, I had the opportunity to speak on an awesome panel as well, too, and also contribute some challenges to the Red Team Village. Unfortunately, those challenges didn't go out for the CTF, but I hope to actually publish them in the near future for people to try out and actually learn more about um, the environment that I built for it. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, for our listeners, you know, a lot, a lot of our audience are people that are just trying to get started out so they don't know people in the industry. So why don't we start out by you introducing yourself? Yeah, sure thing. So my name's TJ Nall. I've been a pen tester. I want to say getting into pen testing hacking for the last eight to 10 years. Um, and I currently pen test in the private sector, mostly focused on like defense and aerospace. Um, but currently the other uh, position I'm also in is I'm the community manager for offensive security. So I like I look for ways to help student success through the courses we go through at OFSEC and try to help them align the things to get them ready to earn their certification and to be able to get a successful career in the industry. Cool. Very cool. For for our listeners that haven't heard of offensive security, offensive security offers the OSCP and a lot of other great certifications that are kind of hands-on exams. It's not the question and answer. And it's kind of one of the, one of the, certifications or group of certifications if you had one of them 
most people who know anything about certifications are going to like to see that on your resume and have that experience. So uh, why don't you share with our listeners how, how you got started, kind of share your your journey, because one of the things that always helps people starting out is to hear someone else's story, how they did it, and sometimes those stories of where they came from, maybe some other things they did in their career uh, kind of inspires and motivates people to, to get started. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my path is a long one where I, where I got started into the field. Um, originally, I started in high school. Um, take some, one of the high schools that I went to had the opportunity to take some career tech classes there. And as I was going through those classes, I was able to get some CompTIA certifications. And my last class that I had was for a security plus class. I was thinking, oh, cool. I want to be a security engineer. I like to get into the security stuff of IT. Let me go ahead and check that out. This is really before cybersecurity started becoming a really big word in our industry that we have now. And when I got into the class, my instructor, my, and I look at it as my, as my mentor, really, that helped me kind of fuel to get started, um, was he put a Backtrack 5 book on my desk, a Backtrack 5 R3 CD, and then a couple virtual machines that we had access to. And he said, this is what I want you to go through for the course material. This is the CD. I want you to run all the tools on it. See what you could come and put together. Figure it out. Make things work. Work with your... Um, other peers as well too through the class and then we'll go through everything together and I'm like okay cool so I never really played with any other Linux distro before in my life and Backtrack was the first one I ever played with so I started you know trying to understand more of the command line understanding how Linux worked and then also running some of the tools that were on there that I've never played with before so moving forward into where I was in high school you know learning more about Backtrack learning more about pen testing I was like this is really cool how can I how do I get more involved into this? How can I be an actual pen tester or, you know, as I kept calling high school, a hacker. And to learn more about Backtrack, I started looking through whoever was developing it. And that's when I found um, Mati Aroni and also a bunch of guys at uh, Fed Security that created the distro and they created a course called Pen Testing with Backtrack. And when I was looking through the prereqs, they were like, you need to know networking fundamentals. You need to learn how to be able to code or write a program or at least know some programming languages under your belt. Um, understand how networking actually works. And for me at high school, I was like, I got some other things I need to prioritize first. I need to focus on those things, you know, just so I have a better understanding um, of what I need to do to get to the end line of being a pen tester. So that was my, my dream goal was to be, you know, a pen tester hacker. And I thought that cert was going to be the end goal I needed, you know, to get into that field or that career that I wanted. So that's pretty much how I got like my start in. And then, you know, moving forward where I was, I picked up some classes at college. I got a degree um, in cybersecurity when I was there. I ran the cyber team and also helped out for the two year, uh, two and a half years that I was there. And then one of the competitions I was actually competing in actually got picked up to actually work in the field as a SOC analyst. So I started um, working as a SOC analyst for this full-time Fortune 100 company that I was at started actually getting some more training under my belt. And then that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to hit the OCP. I feel like I'm ready. I've been going through so many vulnerable boxes. I've been work I've been part of an awesome InfoSec community outside. Um, and that was a group called NetSec Focus that I was able to help contribute and be a part of with many of the other moderators and the founders that were there. And really all that stuff that I kind of learned, I built off really was just the self-taught stuff that I went through really helped me get to where I was to get, to take the PWK and the OCP. So then once I took the course, 
I passed the exam. Uh, I got reached out by a pen testing team that was in the Fortune 100 company that I was at. And I was like, yeah, let me go ahead. I want to be part of it. Got on my first assessment, breaking into some stuff I wasn't supposed to break into, <laughs> almost getting yelled at and almost taken out. But that's a, that's a whole other story for another time. But, um, but that's pretty much how I kind of got started. I know it's a very long path and a long story, but um, you know, four or five years in the making, I'm, I'm at the dream job that I'm at. I'm really happy to be here. And my goal, you know, after all the stuff I've been through, the resources I've looked at, the people that have helped me out, I want to do the same and give back to the future, right? To the people that want to be in this field, that have the passion and interest. So I'm always open to sharing things or talking to things about people. And that's where I really stand. So I know that was a long answer to your question, Philip. And I, <laughs> but, that, that, that is fine. The origin stories are important because, yeah. you know, someone, you know, you, you know, the part where you started learning in high school, mm-hmm. someone may be in that position. So it's just each one of these episodes, you never know how it's going to resonate with people. I have a good friend of mine, former coworker, two jobs, I actually helped him get his first pen testing job. And he was on episode because when I was starting out, I did CAD drafting we worked at the same company. So when he is sharing his story about he started out in CAD draft, how he was, a, he was a CAD drafter and now works as a pen tester. Someone was listening that was trying to pivot from being a, a uh, CAD drafter into cybersecurity. So it was able to motivate them. So the, the story sometimes is just important as advice. It kind of motivates and inspires people to get into it. So yeah, thanks for sharing. There's, there's a lot of things that I didn't know there about your origin story. You know, we've, spoke and known each other over the years, but you know, I really didn't know how you got started. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. So yeah, one of the things really want to dig into in this episode is, is for people getting started out. So, you know, you, you went through high school, you went through college and you, you know, got in the industry and working your dream job. How would you recommend for someone else that say starting from, from zero that wanted to be a pen tester, what would you recommend? It's a tough question because everyone goes through it differently, right? Or has a different path or a track that they want to take. My, my advice is don't just straight jump into a pen testing role. And the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of other things that you need to know of aspect wise of how to become a pen tester. Um, there's some people I know that have passed their OCP and they're like, I don't know actually how to configure a firewall. I'm like, but you know how to break into one. He's like, yeah, but I've never knew how to build one. I'm like, well, having that infrastructure knowledge is some, is a key to have, right? The system administration, the help desk fundamentals, right? So the, the social behavioral aspect, those are things that a person should have before they jump into a pen testing role, I think, because that stuff really can help you apply your skills more forward for the things you're going to do when you're a pen tester. So you have those stuff. I mean, there's people on my team that I work with that really never were a SOC analyst. So they don't know how to try some of the different threats, the different attacks that are out there, or how they're querying stuff through Splunk and through the admin dashboard that's there or through other different SOC tools. So a lot of that knowledge I was able to bring to them really help apply how they were able to communicate with SOC analysts for what they were finding, how they were getting detected, what could they do to try edge some of that stuff or make their tooling better so that they don't get detected in the end. But but going back to the part where I was, I was talking about you know jumping straight into a career, Start jumping into a career that's going to get you into IT. Learn the fundamentals, the basics of how IT works. Then start getting into a system administration role where you start learning more about managing other systems. How do you manage the other devices that are there? You know, spinning up a Windows Active Directory environment or tying Linux systems into an AD environment. Those are key aspects of how you should be able to learn more about 
managing all those dis- different systems because that stuff that you're learning is going to help you apply to the career you're going to be in cyber is what I think. Um, I mean, I could give you a story where I, um, I originally started out in IT at a IT repair place. And one of the things that I would do uh, for my first job was I was repairing uh, driver license printers, or sorry, printers that would print out your driver's license for you. And I would learn about the different parts that would go together for it. So you had the printer that printed, you know, your stats and your information on the card. And then it had a laminator and the laminator would go ahead and heat uh, the laminate that was on each of the cards. And if each, and if those two main parts broke in the system, then you had to replace it, swap it out, or fix it yourself on the fly to repair it. And the software that they would use would be a very old software. It was like a zebra printing software that they would use to manage how the licenses were printed. They would make edits and changes so that it would print on the card properly. But the cool thing is, is that I actually got to learn how um, these driver's license were made, right? How could these printers be used elsewhere? Um, and then also, where do they go in specific locations? Things like that, I would have never known if I was in a career in cyber right now, but that was a story and a moment that I could be able to cherish and enjoy from the time that I was there working in IT. Yeah, that, that's great points because one of the ways to look at this th- stuff too is, you know, if you you can jump straight in, in my opinion, if you learn, if you get that knowledge. So if you gain, learn the networking, learn those things, you can move in. It's just jump into it because it's just kind of like, your education, if you went to a college, more structured type route, you know, if you're getting everything you need, you're going through learning those things and jumping in. It seems like if you don't have that, or at least have that knowledge, you're going to have to do a little more research. If you get, if you get a shell to a box and you don't know the windows command line that well, or you don't know Linux command line, or if you were to get access to, you know, a Cisco device, if you don't understand it, you're going to have to do a lot more, a lot more research. So if you do understand the technology, then you're going to, it's going to be a little quicker process. Yeah, like I'll give you another story. When I was, um, after I left that IT job, I had an offer to work at the local community college that I teach at now. And one of the jobs that they had us do was they want us to do system administration and build up the entire cybersecurity infrastructure. So I had an entire lab of all these different servers, all the different Cisco devices or network devices we had. And we had to configure everything so that students could be able to access them. If anything got destroyed or that when something was destructive, we had a way to be able to revert to that or recover those um, points that we had in time. And one of the big things that I really enjoyed out of it was from my boss and my mentor there was that he didn't help me on building any of that. He said, here's what I need you to do. Go learn it, figure it out. And that was it. There was, there was nothing else to it. So I would have to go ahead and look at documentation. I would have to look at different articles of how people built their active directory environment. There was moments where I was there till 12, one in the morning, just trying to figure out, okay, DNS server is set up here at the DHCP server on this side. How can I get them to tie in the active directory on this one service here on this other server? And then it started migrating from, okay, how do I pull a server that's running our active directory environment and have it run in our new VMware ESXi server that we have here? So, and then there was software to do that. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's go ahead, try the software, make it all work. Sweet. Those little things like that, really, he pushed me to learn more about those things. It wasn't, hey, here's the book. Here's the documentation. We're going to walk through it together. It was, you need to learn this on your own. You need to build this for us. And you need to figure out how to do this in the time that we need it. So that way, then you could be able to go ahead and apply that to other environments that we have. I was like, cool. I'll go ahead and do that. And some people really don't have that passion to do that anymore, which is kind of worries me for our field. And we need to have people like that. 
So, so you were saying he taught you to try harder? Pretty much. <laughs> he was the first person before I started going through like all the big offset stuff. And then yeah. he was like, okay, once the lab is done, now I need you to pen test it. I'm like, how do I do that? He's like, go ahead, use Kali Linux, start scanning our network, start figuring if there's any vulnerabilities there. If there's anything that's there, report them to me and we're going to go ahead and get them fixed. and We'll get the patches going. I'm like, okay, cool. So. Yeah, that's good because, you know, it's one of the things, too, that I think is very important is to be able to teach yourself new things because there's not always going to be a class for it. You know, you look at some of the, the newest technologies, you know, there's not a lot of training out there, sometimes no training or, you know, some really expensive training if you're going to have to go that route. So you definitely need to be able to to educate yourself because, you know, there's times you get put on a project and you don't have time to get through a class. You just have to get up to speed on your own. So I think that's important that you that you're able to to learn on your own and research. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the big thing in our field is that we have to self teach, teach ourselves things. You know, there's people that can be able to help us out. There's books that are out there. There's online resources where we can apply our practical skills, right. And build our practical skills with what we're doing. It's just up to the person to go out there and find it. I mean, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. That's like some of the, you know, so one of my former coworkers that had on a podcast, you know, when he was getting started, as a lot of people are going to ask, how I, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I would just point him in a direction to help them figure it out because just the lessons learned from the OSCP. And a good thing about that, some people complain about that, but the thing at the end of the day is they're not feeding you que- the answers. If someone feeds you the answers, you're never going to learn. And so people need to learn to research on their own. It may if they're having a hard time, you come back, help them. But, you know, that that's so, so important. And just to be able to point someone in the right direction instead of just give them the answers is going to make them a lot better what they're doing, regardless of what that is. I couldn't agree more about that. That's a really great point. So as far as like certifications and stuff goes, you know, you've worked with other pen testers and and help people get started in the industry. Uh, do you, is, are certifications required or can someone get in the industry without a certification? I think there's some people that can be able to get in the industry without a certification. It just depends on the role and the company that they're going to work for. But most places usually that I have worked in and also have coworkers and other people that I've talked to in the world have had to had certs, right, to get into their career. You know, for instance, if we're trying to do like any type of government work, there are specific certifications under like the DOD A570 and the A140 that you need to have to be able to work on a specific contract. If you don't have that certification, well, you can't be able to help work on the contract or assist with the work that's there. Um, I get a big, I get a big um, question usually asked from like people who are in the UK. It's like, oh, do you have Crest? And I'm like, well, I have my OCP. Is that equivalent to what we need at Crest? You're like, well, has it been around for the three years you've had it? I'm like, yeah. They're like, okay, you're good. Sweet. We'll have you do this pen test. And if I didn't get my OCP at that time, I would never been able to work on that cool UK contract that was there, if that makes sense. So Certs, I, I believe, are valuable. I, I believe they will get you into the field once you're there. Um, do I have a niche about you know certs continuing? Right? Do, are they are they providing you value afterwards? They really just get your foot in the door for what you need. That's what I really think. Yeah, I kind of agree with that too. I think it's really important getting your foot in the door. And as far as people wanting to get in the industry without them, you have to be really, really good at what you're doing and know people, build a network to get your foot in the door. Otherwise. You know, that that HR firewall, if you don't have all those check boxes, then, you know, your resume is not going to be forwarded on. So, yeah, I think that's 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 important. It was good to get to hear your your view on that. So what about uh, 
degrees. Do you think degrees are helpful? Uh, is that something that someone should would uh, pursue if they're wanting to get into cybersecurity? I think that goes back to my, my point. I kind of stated earlier. It really depends on you know the company or the job you're applying for. Some some companies here in the U.S. right were required to have a degree. Well, and it's not just saying having a bachelor's, maybe just even associates, or at least having your your GED, your high school diploma. Um, at least having those in that education level could bring you on. But you know, the other thing too is like you can network with people, and those people that network with you might be able to get you out with that degree. I mean. I've had students that I've taught before where they've done so good at cyber competitions that they get jobs already on the fly. They'll be working in socks. They'll be working as system administrators. They'll be working as network engineers. And all they have is their associate degree. So you don't have to get the full four years, but really it depends on where you want to work. Depends on, you know, if the job requires you to have a certain degree and if you should get it. Um, but just keep in mind, I feel like a lot of colleges that are out there, will only teach you the fundamentals or the basics of what you need. They're not going to teach you the technical stuff because they believe that those companies will teach you that stuff. They will put you through that type of training when really we need colleges and universities to be on the same side of teaching both of those things just to get the student ready for the career they want to be. I mean, for, for me, it was, uh, it was a tough thing for me not having my degree and I would apply to so many different jobs. I would have, I had at least like 10 certifications right out of college. I had Cisco certifications. I had CompTIA certifications. I had Microsoft certifications and no one wanted to hire me because I didn't have a degree. I was like, really? Or, you know, the other thing was, is like, I was either applying at a young age. I was 19 when I had these and I was trying to get myself, you know, I was trying to get a foot in the door in cyber and no one wanted to take me. It's like, oh, we hired this one because they have better experience and they have a degree. Or it's, oh, we, they hired this person and they have a security clearance we do not have the ability to pay you to get one. I'm like, okay, that's fair. Understandable. You know, so things like that could be like a barrier just from you stopping to get a career. So if you go for a degree, good. It's great to have nice piece of paper to have in the end of it. You go for some certs. That's great to have as well too. As long as those things can help you get your foot in the door in a career, you're good to go after that is what I say. And that's one of the good things to see how the industry has evolved. You know, like the big four consulting companies came out about, about three years ago, two or three years ago, that they dropped the requirement for a four-year degree, mm -hmm. which, you know, they were pretty hard set on you had that. So that's good that the industry is evolving and seeing that's important and not to, you know, and, you know, college can be a good experience. But one of the things too is sometimes you're going to have to have that training outside of the school to get things that are more current, yep. things that you can actually apply to a job because, you know, a lot of that stuff is theory. Who knows how the textbooks are? and as rapidly evolving as technology in the cybersecurity field is, it's you kind of need something kind of current. I mean, the funny thing is, is like many colleges now are starting to move away from textbooks and they're starting to go ahead and look for open source resources that are out there. Why would a student pay a certain amount of money to go take a course? And a lot of that course material is either found on YouTube, on public articles or documentation that's already there. At least colleges should be able to lower the price of what they're teaching or at least tell the student, this is what they're learning in this course that they're taking. Of course, they have a, syllab a syllabi to see all that. But I mean, I, I don't want to knock down the idea that we need to have continuing education because in our field, we should be always constantly learning, you know, and colleges have the ability and the opportunity to teach that. But it just depends on how they do. Um, like I've seen, I've seen colleges where they teach master classes and in their master class program, they'll teach you how to configure a Palo Alto firewall. Why can't that course be in an associate's degree? 
Why can't the technical stuff be there to start with? Why does it have to be in a master's program? Surely enough, a master's should be more advanced than teaching someone a fundamental basic. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on on the instructors you get at the school. So if you get someone like yourself or when I was teaching someone like me that had a background, someone like Sam Bone, you're in luck. But then if you get someone that came up the traditional route of teaching that didn't have the industry background, then sometimes it's you don't get as much out of the program. But it is good that things are evolving, that people don't have to have the degree. But sometimes I think uh, if people have a hard time studying and figure out things on their own, they need a little more structure, then maybe that's a good place to start. Yeah, I could see that. So what are some other tips you'd have for anyone trying trying to get started? Because I know with you, uh, when you wrote your, start writing your, your, your blog posts and stuff on the OSCP exam, I'm, mm-hmm. I know that brought you a lot of visibility and has probably helped you in your career. So for me, it's, I really love practical challenges. I love competing in cyber competitions. Um, and I think cyber competitions really gave me a lot more value of going things more practically than reading from a textbook. Um, you know, like when I was in college for me, it was always writing research papers. It was always taking quizzes. I felt like learning that or writing that material. Yeah. It made me a great, it, it, it helped me. It helped me be better about writing papers, you know, and also like writing technical documentation, but I didn't feel like it was enough for me to build my practical skills. And I wish I had more of those practical challenges in the college courses I was taking. Um, it was it was also interesting where I went to a conference. Um, it was my first ever one. It was actually B-Size Charm. And there was a lady that summed up my entire degree that I did for cyber policy and also for like NIST frameworks in like 45 minutes. And I remember like half of my student, half the students I was with there at the college, we all walked out. We're like, she just summed up our entire degree. Everything that we learned in all the semesters, she just summed it up in 45 minutes. And they were like, I feel bamboozled. I feel robbed. I'm like, well, you could take advantage of the opportunities that you're at the college, like being on the cyber team and learning from people who are in the industry or, you know, taking advantage of some of the challenges we go through. And I think the challenges that people write are, are really awesome. Do I feel like a lot of challenges are real, are real world? Maybe, but they try to be. I mean, in the end of it, you're still learning some skills. You're learning to try things out practically. And a lot of those practical things that you learn can help you apply to the stuff that you're doing in your real time, real daytime job in cyber. Um, so, you know, a lot of the materials that I went through, like over the wire, under the wire, doing all the challenges that are there, competing in cyber competitions, like at SANS Net Wars, Tournament Champions, Kaizen CTF, like those challenges, those CTFs that were put together really helped me build my practical skills to be the person that I am today. And without me competing in cyber competitions, I really would have never got a career in cyber. Um, and that's the other cool thing is like getting to compete allows you to network with other teams. It allows you to get to network with the sponsors that are there. And a lot of those challenges that I went through, I wanted to put those together in the articles that I was writing, especially in my um, preparation guide. Cause I thought those challenges really helped me prepare more and understand you know, about some of the stuff that I would have to go through day by day, like in Overwire Bandit, right? They're all Linux challenges. They help you try to learn more about how a Linux operating system works and how to use the command line. Those things really help me go through that instead of trying to read a book and just understand, okay, this is how the cat command works. I'll apply it somewhere whenever I get a virtual machine. That's not how that works. <laughs> That's not how that works in our field, specifically what we do. We have to be hands-on keyboards for a lot of things that we do. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and it's and some people I've heard some people that 
that take jabs at the the OSCP or they say it's CTF like. But one of the things I'll say is CTF like a lot of cases can be more difficult than real world because mm-hmm. you see certain some certain vulnerabilities that are exploitable. A lot of times you're going to be in, but some of the things they put into the CTFs and some of the different VMs that you might see on some tests like the OSCP exam is you go through there, you see something, it looks really obvious that that's the exploit that you need to get in, but it not, it, it always is not, it takes you in other paths. So it really teaches you to really thoroughly test the system and do full enumeration to, to weigh all your options instead of just going down one path. So I think that's kind of helpful if you ask my, if you ask my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, so when I like go through boxes, like vulnerable boxes, I don't look at them as CTF boxes. I, I like to call them fun boxes because they all have different challenges, right? And they all have different patterns, even though we might not see those patterns to be real world. And I know many people in the community ask, we want real world stuff. It's hard to really replicate that or even to build it and put it together. But at least with those patterns that you're going through, like, you know, you're re- doing reconnaissance on a system, right? You're going through and you're running MMAP, you're running Dirt Buster, you're going to go use Dirt Search, other different tools that you're trying to enumerate the system. You're taking all those tools that you're learning from those boxes that you're practicing on, whether a CTF or not, you're still getting some type of learning aspect from them. You're getting to use those tools real hand to build your own methodology and skill set. And if you don't see those systems in the real world, that's okay. They're still great to apply. I mean, I was going through a box actually in the PG Enterprise Lab that OFSEC has, and there was one thing I, I never realized to ever do in my post-exploitation, and that was um, one of the boxes had, when I rooted it, had an FTP server on it. And I never thought of, hey, you know what, let me go ahead and run TCP dump on the Linux box and see what I could capture. And sure enough, in real time, a few minutes later, I saw an actual active user connected to that system with its own creds at the FTP server. And I was like, holy crap, let me grab these creds, extracted the creds. And then when I went ahead and took the creds, I found that I tied to an active directory domain user. So I started pivoting more to the other boxes that were there. Was that a CTF box? No. Was it real world? It kind of it leveraged something that would be real world that I would see. But is it something I would ever try or ever think about? No. But that's something new that I learned that I can now add into my methodology. You know, I could build that pattern that I have for things that I see in the future, you know, when I get access to a box or, you know, I'm going through the assessing a system, you know, for those type of vulnerabilities or issues that I could see and try to make those things aware to the team that I'm working with to help improve their security posture in the end. Great points there. One of the things too, uh, you know, some of the best I've seen are people that are really good at CTFs. You look at someone like John Hammond, you know, that guy's, <laughs> That guy's pretty awesome security researcher and and hacker. So, I mean, I don't think the CTF thing could be downplayed. And just like you were mentioning how you got recruited from one of the cyber competitions, I've seen lots of people that get recruited from the CCDC competitions because, you know, people are trying to look for, you know, people to fill slots and what a better way than, you know, some hands-on challenge like a CTF or like a CCDC competition. Yeah, I mean, there's competitions. I remember competing in college where Ipsec and I actually used to compete against each other back to back. And there'd be one minute he'll get first, and then I'll get second, and then he'll get first, I'll get first, and he'll get second. But always he was a step ahead of me. But I always got to learn from him when I competed. Um, and a, f- a funny story, I don't know if John actually ever remembers this, but there was almost a time where we almost competed on the same team at Pros vs. Joe's um, down in B Sides DC. This is before long he was really getting big into the stuff that he is now. And He's truly an inspiration to the community that I really appreciate seeing. 
you know, he's a person I look up to to give back to stuff and same with Dipsec as well too. Um, you know, but learning from those people really helped me become the person I am today as well. So I feel like anybody can learn from them, but also people can be able to share stuff too, from what they're seeing in the CTF environments, what they're going through. Um, you know, they, people who even put the CTFs together are contributing a lot to the community that I see as well. And it really goes unnoticed. Yeah. I think that's a skill in itself to build, build CTFs. That sounds something I haven't done, but it sounds pretty interesting. It, it's something I have done before and I can tell you it, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding in the end to see how many students come together, go through the challenges that you build, try to make it look real world as you can, or really just to see people have fun with it. That's the, that's the beauty of cyber competitions. I feel like no matter yeah. wh what place you get, no matter if you win or lose, right. In the end, you learn something from them. I feel like. Yeah. Good points. I agree with that. So we're down towards the end of the show. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we close out the show? Hmm. Anything to share. I'd say be awesome. Take your time on learning things. It's not a race between one person or the other. Um, and failure will always lead to your success. And if you fail on something or you have, or you stressed out about a challenge you go through, it's okay. Take a step back, take some time away from the thing you're going through. And when you refresh and you have a clear mind, come back to it when you're ready. Cause it's not going to go anywhere, but you focusing on your mental health is one of the big things I'd say we really need to watch out for in this field. Uh, th those are some great words of wisdom and thanks for sharing. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and it was great seeing you last week at summer camp. It was great seeing you as well. I'm glad we got to catch up and thank you again for bringing me on the Hacker Factory podcast. It was really great to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure and honor to have you. I'm glad you could join. And thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you on the next episode. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.